Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Why didn't they call this episode Daddy Issues? Right? <laughs> they should have. Um, I just wanted to be the first one. And this might be a little premature, Becca, but congratulations. Um, I heard you're moving to another podcast where you get to be the host, like, solely. So I know it's a big responsibility, but this is a good career move for you. And so I, I know that you're going to say what yes. What are you talking about? So, uh, oh, sorry. What? I'm sorry. Are you going to ask me something? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, you have a choice, but obviously you're going to say yes because it's a it's a better podcast. And You think I don't the... want to be with you, Xander, on this ship? Oh, no. I just thought... Do you not value our working relationship? No, I thought your career was number one. I mean, you kept putting aside relationships with other people just to further your career. Well, when so... you thought you made an ass out of you and me. <laughs> oh, no. But the Dust Gatherers <laughs> podcast is a great podcast. You're going to love it. It's where they analyze how much dust gathers at certain surfaces at different times mm -hmm. over courses of many hours. Wait, I that mean, does sound fun, perfect. actually. It, 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 it's perfect for your skill set. <laughs> yeah, that does. That sounds good. Congratulations. They I would like to do a, a podcast year. about dust amounts. <laughs> oh, and to give you your assignment, we've invited your dog, who I assume you have a tenuous <laughs> relationship with. Uh, Oshi? Oh. How did you know it was tenuous? <laughs> We've been estranged for 15 minutes. <laughs> At first I thought the Oshi was Worf in this scenario and he was following along, but no, oh, I guess it's the dad. Oh, maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did he only have 12 hours to make that decision? That seems really like... Starfleet's got to move. Take yeah, we got to do it. We got to space. Yeah, decisions happen. Mm -hmm. You know, they're moving at warp speed. <laughs> Ooh, there it is. <laughs> That's a good Starfleet uh, motto is, we're in space, decisions happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? When, when you have all of, of history at your back, you've got androids that can systematically weigh pros and cons for you, at least if you're on the Enterprise. <laughs> sure. Decisions are easier. <laughs> Wait, so the way you describe data is an android that can systematically weigh pros and cons? Like, he of all the things he lot. can do. <laughs> he's like a scale, essentially, is what you're saying. He is. <laughs> well, in this one, he's essentially a dad with Jordy as well to Wesley. There's a whole lot of dad stories happening. Yeah, that's right. It's the Icarus Factor. Dad episode. I get it. I was like, nobody's flying too close to the sun. It's a dad thing in that mm. story, too. Mm. Is it? What's the dad thing in the Icarus story? Uh, his dad uh, is a his candle. His dad made the wings. <clears throat> his dad is a candle. <laughs> his dad made the wings? Yeah. I don't think I knew oh. that. I also was wondering if it was misnamed. but I. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the myth very well. In Greek mythology, Icarus is the son of the master craftsman Daedalus. Daedalus, mm -hmm. the creator of the labyrinth. Icarus and his father attempt to escape from Crete by means of wings that his father constructed from feathers and wax. Ah, yeah, mm. feathers and wax. I do remember that. I forgot it was his dad that made him. Okay. Anyway, so, so that's why calling... it's called Icarus Factor. 
I was calling in today because my coworker is dating my dad, and I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> and I've been working with this coworker for like a year now, and she never yeah. brought it up that they At were all. almost engaged. <laughs> yeah, in love, I believe was what was thrown about. And when I confronted <laughs> her about it, she's all like, "It never came up." It's like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. Come on. You knew. You knew. We have a similar build. Our names are Riker. They have four letters in our first name, as, which is obviously a hereditary trait. William? You notice a lot of similarities name-wise. Right. <laughs> also, Kyle was a bold choice, I think. Yeah, Kyle. But, I mean, yeah. it's the future, right? So it's right. like maybe there's like a Brayden or a Caden that we're not expecting either, but they're Chad. all old men, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the hip surfer dude name. It's good. Name of my first crush. Was Kyle? Yeah. Or at Skate Land South, we held hands in couple skate. Ooh. Do you know? Do you I remember know. the song? Goodness, greatness, great balls of fire. <laughs> no. I don't what know. year were you born? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were playing Jerry Lee Lewis at the. <laughs> Look, they played weird stuff at Skate Land South. I don't know, but Was I it would like pump like up the jam. CD. Oh. Good. Oh, the jam. Or I saw the sign or something. Oh yeah, Ace of Base, man. Yeah. All right, we are getting way off track. Let's fly way. back. Lauren Hill. Let's. Get... Ooh. <laughs> Everything. Okay. Um, we. Where do we start what this, is this episode? podcast about? We start. <laughs> <laughs> Greek Dads. mythology. Yeah. This is... So back to Greek mythology. Dust. Uh, yeah. This episode begins with pretty much a personnel transfer. Is really. We're partying. Yeah. We're partying in engineering, with which which turns out to be the C plot of this whole episode because right. there's there's a minor diagnostic issue or something like that. They can't figure out a malfunction. That's not even a big deal, right. but uh, you know maybe they need to go to Spar Starbase Montgomery and check it out. Okay. Yeah. And don't worry, Jordy has no ego problems about <laughs> this. It's not a big deal. <laughs> also. Psych yeah yeah it's like so like everybody's being a little passive aggressive in this episode because then also picard's like well i have some orders and uh riker's like well uh embarking or, or disembarking and he's like Ooh. i'm not gonna answer that yeah <laughs> anyway okay. come see me come see me in the uh in the council room what's the name of that that's not a council the room observation. Uh, observation deck observation deck yeah come like, meet the me there and then said. when he enters picard has his back to him so you know it's like a big revelation and then I mean, you know that when you ask a direct question and the answer is, come see me. <laughs> Something's up. What grade did I get on my paper? Right. It's not going to be good. But Picard buries the lead with the whole, like, talking about his new first officer he's going to get. And it's mm. like, well, what does that mean for Riker? Is he being demoted or dun-dun-dun? Yeah, <gasps> another command offer. Turns out he's actually been offered this before, right? Yes. Well, we know he's not going to take it because uh, he's such a hunk that. and we need him on the show. <laughs> so what <laughs> about this guy that was him. offered the post of first officer on the Enterprise and like kissed his family goodbye or her <laughs> right? family, was so right? excited. Like, I want to see that as the, you know, Rick and Morty after credits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, this is huge for me, minute. honey. The flagship <laughs> yeah. of, the, of Starfleet. I'm going to be big. Sorry, I thought about that because it, it could have been Data. Like temporarily, Data would be the next in rank who would move up then. But Data's not on the command track. So then it would be the next person. And then I just went down a spiral. And... Wesley, obviously. It's Wesley. The, Wesley's now the first officer. He never made it through the Federation Academy. Uh, but just he gets sort of more and more like, responsibility. There? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, nobody else's command track. So <laughs> let's 
give you responsibility, kid. Yeah, who, who you did you find the answer to your questions, Andrew? No. Who would be next in line? I, I gave up. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it would be a transfer then. Yeah, it could. they could do anything story-wise. I'm glad you brought that up, though, Becca. I hadn't considered the poor guy who was, like, eagerly awaiting with his backpack. That's so great. Yeah. Well, you know what? You need to think about those sort of things, Captain. (laughs) If you want to be a real captain. (laughs) Well, speaking of, like, the captain playing games, right? So turns out, like, right after we get through the main credits, then he's like, oh, also, there's going to be someone to evaluate you. I'm not going to tell you who it is. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> well, I hope it's a good briefing. Oh, don't worry. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, why don't you go down to Transporter Street? Go greet him. Picard's like that character is like, I'm so excited. There's something happening. <laughs> like as the turbo lift I doors. I love my mommy. We had tea. Remember? <laughs> As the turbo lift doors close, I wanted Riker or I wanted Picard to like turn back to Worf and be like, <laughs> he has yeah. no idea what's going. I have a question for you because I have an instance that this has happened to me. Has anything you've done with good intentions just horribly backfired? My example for this is I went out to a birthday dinner with a friend when we could still do that. This was a few years ago, and like it was just I knew it was their birthday. Uh, and we were in an Applebee's. So I did the thing where I was, I'm going to the bathroom and I t- pulled the server and I was like, Hey, it's my friend's birthday. If there's something you want to do, they made a big scene and they were singing. And my friend was mortified, has like pretty bad social anxiety. And like other people <laughs> at the table knew this to not do this. And no one told me. And I felt so bad. Aww. And I still no. feel bad to this day. Aww, hey, no. Let me just say. Fuck your friend for not pretending no, no one likes it. You just do it. It's, it's a hazing ritual. And you're not allowed to no, no, no. Um, actually show your real emotion when your friends you're not make the Applebee's sh- way. <laughs> I was glad that they felt comfortable enough with me to explain afterwards and, and sort of go through that. And now I know. And so. <laughs> I mean, that can't be as traumatizing. No, it's a rite of passage. It- no one likes it. It came from the, the right place, right? Like you were trying That's to do thing. something sweet. And they understood that as well. And, and this is that same instance of like Picard was playing a fun little thing that he thought it would be a, a good idea. And it was not. But didn't he know he was estranged from his father? I thought he he knew their relationship, right? All he knows is that Riker's dad made eggs. A lot right, of eggs. An omelet. <laughs> that was terrible. Because he must have learned it when he was like 13 then or 12 whenever he left. I think we mentioned that in that last episode was that like he taught him how to make eggs then left the next day. (laughs) He says later in this episode, Kyle Riker says in the heat of a fight, I hung around for 13 years. If that's not enough, it's just too bad. (laughs) I audibly went like, wow, dad. Yeah. (laughs) I gave it the old Starfleet try is what we call it. (laughs) 13 years Harsh. is a long time. But maybe in no. Utopian Federation sp- space, like maybe 13 is when you become a legal adult because everybody's sure, so you advanced. you can go down your passion of whatever you want to do. Yeah. Well, how old do you have to be as a Klingon? <laughs> You're six when you become a legal adult. Yeah. You have to kill another Klingon. They just poke mm. you with the sticks. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like, so there, there. This was actually an, uh, a episode where there are three plot lines, which is kind of nice. We have an ABC. We have Riker and his daddy issues. We have right. uh, Worf and his uh, ascension issues, mm-hmm. and we have the engines and their diagnostic issues. <laughs> I mean, it's I pretty know, much the engineering. Can I tell crew. you? I didn't even realize 
the C plot was happening. I blacked out on all of this. <laughs> I don't think they resolved it, did they? Nope. No. Okay, well they, then I feel less bad. It's barely yeah. a it's barely a C plot. It's more of like something else is happening and we have a little bit of character development happening. But like I it was barely a C plot. The true C plot might be what Wesley Crusher's sort of uh, dabble in psychiatry, you know, trying to help a friend who seems in distress, and then the the engineering side plot kind of introduces Jordy and Data again as father figures for Wesley. Um and so that's kind of the the vehicle, I think, to bring these characters together in that nobody's becoming uh, distracted from their duties on the starship to go handle Worf's feelings, but we can fit it into whatever we're working on as well. I got a C-plot for you. <laughs> Pulaski and Get Troy drinkies with her friends. Talking about their men in a scene that does not pass the Bechtold test. Nope. You know what I love? Men named Riker, tough ones, right. one that's loved to fight and abandon their children in pursuit of careers. Ugh, must be why we're so attracted to them. Yeah, human males never really grow up, let's admit it. And maybe that's why they're just so attractive. Maybe. Strongly disagree. And I was like, uh, We throw those ones out. Take we that. throw them out into yeah. space. <laughs> but also, how fun is that relationship between Troy and Pulaski of like, what would it be, like step- uh, mother-in-law if they, the two connected uh, oh, like yeah. Riker and Troy and Riker and Pulaski <laughs> yeah, stepmother-in-law daughter stepdaughter-in-law yeah uh -huh. what a fun household <laughs> <laughs> when Riker first meets his dad like or when he sees dad like the transporter um, hits up and like his dad appears and he's just like dad I have Hello. compartmentalized <laughs> all of Hello, my feelings Daddy. for you. We will have a briefing <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. Goodbye. Like, doesn't you, not even really stunned. He's just like, ah, you again. Years of counseling work done with Troy. It just instantly out the window. <laughs> well, it's clear he's ba he's buried something here. So, like, this is what yeah. I was trying to think about with this episode. Is like, okay, we we've talked about previously how Gene Roddenberry wanted everybody to be pretty much emotional, have no emotional baggage. Everybody's pretty sure. much got their shit figured out in the 24th century. So, what's the deal with Riker? Well, he's obviously repressed his issues a little bit with that he has with. I guess his ab abandonment by his father and his estrangement. And then his father has these weird issues where he's jealous of his son. And that's, we know that because Pulaski lays it out or actually both Troy and Pulaski lay it out yeah. for him. I think Troy's more direct with it. Troy's <laughs> Troy's counseling session is just right up. You're anxious. And we're like, well, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 She really nailed it. You have a problem being competitive with your son. Well, I mean, she was responding to, like, a hostile environment because he was not there for a counseling session either. He was being, like, <laughs> a hostile witness, interrogated. Ay, 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 drama. Drama four. <laughs> I guess I just was surprised at her introduction to him when she flat out starts explaining his emotions to him. And then he's like, oh, you're a betazoid. She's like, yes, I am. And it's like... Does she ever have to disclose that she can pretty much read emotions to people? Or is that a, always a jarring effect when she starts telling you how you feel? Look, you go into space, mm. you don't get to pick who you interact with. People get to pick brains. Where are all of these, when you're where in are spa all these space things coming from? When you're in space, <laughs> space law, anything goes. <laughs> yeah. But I would imagine there would have to be some sort of cultural protocol, much like us, you know, at one point shaking hands or acknowledging each other or something like that. When Betazoids meet, I'm sure they meet telepathically. And when they meet a non-telepathic uh, like species, then there has to be some sort of protocol. But she probably 
overstepped her bounds in this one with especially her especially with how their telepathy works because they kind of feel it like in a sensory way around them so like they might mm-hmm. not always be aware that they're sensing other people until the other people come into proximity so it's kind of right. like if they're walking out in nature they kind of need to be like clapping for the bear you know to warn the bear that you're near or making noise like, yeah this is like, all too so much hard. i disagree some of us oh. or are more empathetic than others, and That's we true. just feel things, even when we're not Betazoid, and I don't think it's her responsibility to disclose that. That's fair, but like maybe it's uh, she shouldn't lead in with telling everybody that she can read. Their, uh, she still tells everybody what their emotions are. Mm. Like She flat out tells Kyle like in the fourth sentence she has with him is like, so you're anxious. Yeah, but, Let's talk yeah, about but it. she doesn't do it in front of other people usually unless she's telling the captain about enemies because it's private and she respects people's mm-hmm. privacy. But, but a basic thing of counseling is to ask people how they feel, not for you to tell them. Yeah, but I think mm-hmm. we're forgetting one thing. This could also be bad writing. And that's not yeah, the well. That's what yeah, that's what I might be getting at too. Also, this wow. is space to be fair about this, this, this is Star Trek. So I don't <laughs> right. think you can say Sorry. that. Excuse me. So I think what it is, is not even bad writing so much as like trying to get to the point immediately because we only have one scene to get Kyle's issues out. And this is a good way to do it is with a counselor. And so I still actually I thought Marina Sirtis did a great job with this scene. Uh, She she got intense really quickly and uh, she does this power play of sitting down, which I really like. He was very low status there all of a sudden when she takes a seat and like watches him. Right. It's a fun little one. Yeah, his one thing that he had up his sleeve was that he seemed to know there was a relationship between him or between her and Will. Uh, and so he holds that until she sort of lauds something over him and sits down and then he plays his card and it doesn't really affect her as much as he probably would have hoped. What was his card? Of like, oh, well, my son has good taste in women or something like that. Or we both have good taste in women. Mm. Indicating that he knew there was a relationship between Will and Deanna. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the Starfleet message boards. He knows about. Yeah, it. everybody he knows. knows. He I mean, them. look at Deanna. He's a Riker. His of course he's gonna go for it. Yeah, his message board he's name is just Imzadi. He's a Riker, everyone. When you're in space and you're a Riker, you DTF. Horny on me. Horny I mean, look on at Pulaski's reaction. Look at Pulaski's reaction when she met him in Ten Forward. She's like, uh, well, how about yeah, a kiss? My kiss. Yeah. It was not also, a sensual Riker, kiss. It was um. It was a friend. It was kiss. like when your somebody's aunt kisses them on the lips, <laughs> right? But O'Brien knows her, and he doesn't do that. <laughs> O'Brien didn't almost get engaged to her. You guys, that's true. Uh, also, when Riker finally confronts her about it, and they have the the talk, and he's like, "Oh, so you would do my father?" And she's like, "In an instant." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" Is he asking? Did he tell you? I'm to give him yeah. my room number. Yeah, she, she actually said in a cold minute, which is a That's phrase right. I didn't know. It, do you know what that the is? The opposite of a no. hot second was my interpretation. It's, it's a parody of a hot second. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Me neither. You, you would hope it would be a hot minute at least. Hot. Maybe minute. a hot oh, ten. God. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I liked is when Deanna and Will have a heart to heart, and she says, mm. "Are you feeling sad?" And then he comes over <laughs> and hugs her, and she breaks down in this beautiful way that was such a, you know, we don't gradually move into emotions. We turn on a dime. She's holding it in, and mm. then, I'm sad, too. I'm yeah. doing my Betazoid accent that only <laughs> I have. There was some good acting. I mean, there were you could tell that everybody was exploring the feelings of these characters, which is new territory-ish. 
for us. Yeah, it was an episode very much about feelings and less mm. about any sort of action. But, you know, right. it was a touching Except scene. Except for Pulaski's quarters. Yeah. Marina Circus <laughs> is always a good time. I, any episode where she's yes. featured, I just want to watch those scenes. Really, you could cut yes. the rest out and it'd still be a good episode. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Kyle Riker, what is his position? Because he's a civilian, but it seems like he's a politician. He's like a freelancer for Starfleet. Yeah, so he's like a what they call him an attaché or something. He's yeah. like a, yeah, he's a consultant. He knows That's certain. T- I guess he was a tactical consultant. He had like a tactician's brain or something like that. But like he was gonna brief um, Riker on the assignment that he was gonna go to for the Ares, which was some distant planet that might have intelligent life or something. So yeah, I don't exactly understand his position either. All I know is that he's had a great career. Uh, right, which could that's according to him. Well, and some other people. It I sounds guess. like I think everybody's acknowledged it. But, if he yeah. does go to Aries, he's most definitely going to die. Right? It's like super, super far. <laughs> it's dangerous. Many years, even at warp speed away, and who knows what's out there. Um, that's why Worf is really down to join. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so. I didn't understand that until we learn more about what Worf's deal is, which is that mm. he's uh, he's having an anniversary of his puberty, which is really great Aww. for him, and it's a big thing in Klingon culture. But I he doesn't have mine. any, but any Klingon. You did monthly. <laughs> oh. Damn! <laughs> <laughs> I walked into that one. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't have any Klingon bros or sisters to uh, hang out with and like right. celebrate it with. So uh, Wesley, I guess, figures this out by uh, doing some Wikipedia searches and decides that we need to throw him uh, a pain party. Yes, I did some research, and it's called a Klingon bro down. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that you're not far off, and there's multiple ceremonies that could be described like that. <laughs> This is a trope that we'll come back to uh, a couple of times of just like Klingon culture is strange. We saw this with the exchange with uh, Riker to the other ship. And now this is experimenting some more in what does it mean to grow up Klingon? Did Worf have these experiences? Because we know that he grew up in, on Earth uh, and was adopted. So, uh, you know, he's that's why he's so obsessed. Oh, that's with a these. good. I forgot about well, that. You know, this particular cultures. ceremony, I wouldn't think is too strange because it does take place pretty often in downtown L.A. Pre-pandemic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when it was safe. You had to pay um, like an $80 cover charge, though. But yeah. And that's just to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Here uh, and that's what the gallery in the back of family was. We were just here for moral support and to watch. <laughs> uh, a beautiful, touching moment, though. Like, what does it remind you of? It's like a, it's like a, um, a handshaking line at a wedding or something. Except they're they're shocking him with cattle yeah. prods and saying, yeah. "Tell us your deepest, it's... darkest secrets. Only a true Klingon can talk about emotions while being brutally shocked." Right. Mm. Do he, I don't know what he's what stories he told in Klingon. I, I imagine it was just nonsense, but there is a Klingon language out there, and I wonder if it was there translated. Is. I assumed that he was saying it in Klingon and then saying it in English. He was speaking truths from his heart, and so I would assume that's what they would oh, try to do. Oh, he was translating do. it. The truths in translate. his heart were like, blood runneth over my palms. Yeah, yeah, like the pus of my enemies is in my mouth. How'd it get there? <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, but they were supposed to be like vulnerable truths, right? Or yeah, yeah quintessential things or something. Also, I, I watching this as uh, as me now, 
seeing Troy have the little moment of taking Worf, you could see that Troy was like asked to do this. And I saw a moment between them that she was like, hey, they tried to do something nice for you. This is like a human (laughs) thing. Just go along with it, please. The waiters are going to sing. You're going to be mortified. Exactly. Exactly. Here's your heads up. Just be grateful and go along with their thing. (laughs) I would have liked them to get it slightly wrong. Like they actually do have cattle prods and it's Klingons in like cowboy gear or something. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got to, it was a little on the nose how correct they were. Friends never are when they try and emulate your culture. (laughs) Right. Also, I guess that's the benefit of the holodeck just gets it right automatically. That's true. That's true. Hey, do that thing. I guess, how does that work with the pain sticks? Because they're supposed to be like safety protocols, right? That's kind of a crazy thing to do in a room full of Klingons. Which is why the doctor is there. Mm. (laughs) So if if we were in a holodeck for your friend's birthday at Applebee's, would it be like a reverse situation where everybody has to face away from the birthday person and they each eat their own cake and sing to the wall? I think it would be more... Like all of the friends at the table would take a piece of the cake with the candle still lit and then jab it into the birthday person. I thought the birthday person has to walk through a series of tables upon which four waiters are standing on either side, which each get an individual song at that person. I think the friends are normally the ones doing the prodding. It's just Mm. that they didn't participate in this particular instance. So the friends did. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine them having to do it to him? Yeah. That's (laughs) insane. Becca, if you were walking down, can you imagine me just like, tell me your truth? I would like it. Actually, that sounds like something that happened in clown class. <laughs> right. There's right. a game that it we does. play in clown class where you stand in two rows. This is what I was trying to think of. Often compared to Klingon culture. <laughs> and yes. one person has to run through the middle as everyone else slaps them as hard as they can when they run by. <laughs> wow. Wow. Just it's about anywhere? vulnerability. I don't know. Mm. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> You can slap them anywhere, but they have to I run the really thing, fast. But there were like so you paddles gotta involved get ready. Blindfolds, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> the enthusiasm with which you bring up stories about clown class—it's the greatest <laughs> place in the world. Because I appreciate clowning from a theater's perspective, but whenever right. somebody starts a story beginning with clown class, I know. Describe an improv scene. Still laughing. <laughs> that sort of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Let me describe yeah. an improv scene. You got it. Um, but let's talk about, I guess, the brief instant we have a C plot, which is the engines aren't running. So why is Jordy's right. not self conscious about it, and then starts well, getting self conscious about it? Right. Yeah. I think his whole thing was like, I'm not self conscious about this. Wink, wink. <laughs> like, like he really is, but he's saying it's positive self talk. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and like Data's all trying to navigate around it. He's like, look, I'm a consummate professional. If I wasn't a consummate professional and right. completely logical as an android, I would be offended by this. Right. It's like, what? Why? You guys can't figure out a software malfunction. This isn't your fault. Why are you taking this so personally? Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't resolve it. We just like the no. episode ends, right? I, I was looking well, through my notes. I was like, what happens with this? Well, really, the, the, they don't need to get anywhere. Like, what's their yeah. mission? I don't know. Work out emotional issues on a ship. 
like I was saying before, I think this is just the vehicle to introduce them to Wesley's plot and to get them involved in the Klingon ritual. And then at the end, we do get a little bumper of them like, oh, Jordy's just as good of an engineer as we thought he was. (laughs) Yeah. Data's never wrong. Everybody forgets to push the on button sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's not truly important, but like if they bring up something, I kind of look for resolution. Like you're right, Becca. It doesn't really matter what their mission is. They're going to get to the next episode. But I'm always curious as to if they develop something like that, they should at least finish it. We do get the fun. Like Data is getting mannerisms now and we can see Brent Spiner playing with that or even the character playing with using a shrug or a whoop I tried oh well <laughs> type of aw shucks maneuvers because you can see the emotional response that that they're having I mean he's been he's been testing the waters all season with the yeah. royale him playing in yeah. character and all the other stuff like and it feels like it's justified it's not out of nowhere you know it's not this robot is acting too human yeah yeah he and eventually Riker and I, I remember Riker getting uh better like a little less hard-headed in later seasons uh but like they both get the development, you know, be a vulnerable thing because I think feel like Riker was if we were to take like the classic trope of masculinity, Kyle Riker would be like the epitome, like the Kirk, the type, right? And now we're Sorry, seeing I would that call there is Worf a soft... the epitome of masculinity. Sure, yeah, you know, uh, but we're seeing the softer side of Riker of not going in headfirst into the dangerous mission, considering his feelings and the feelings of others, you know. Uh, not taking the prestigious post, but rather doing something that makes him feel like he belongs. I think those are great character moments that take away from that classic masculinity trope that Star Trek was. Right. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of wanted him to confront his father in the same hard-headedness he confronts these missions because, like, he usually doesn't run away from a fight, but he's always fleeing from his father. <laughs> Instead, do you know how he confronts his father, Jake? (laughs) Before we get to that, this is classic. We all do this when we're around our families. We revert (laughs) to a certain time in our lives when uh, something was set in stone in our heads of like, this behavior makes me react this way as a Mm 12-year-old. And I will always be Mm -hmm. this 12-year-old when I yell at my mother. I love you, Mom. Sure, sure. Yeah. And when you swing... And then you turn into them. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a matter of time, Becca. Uh, for, the, this... for the podcast listeners, Becca's eyes have glazed over. <laughs> she went to her special place somewhere else. My mom mentally. is one of our biggest fans, by the way. Oh, yay. So... She gave us you. She's great, as far as I'm concerned. That's true. I love her. I love her a lot. Aww. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Okay, Thanks, we'll, mom. we'll talk about her every episode. Love you, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Xander? This Japanese is garbage. Okay. It- All right. So <laughs> let's start off with what this is. So I always, I was, I was, when I'm I so watched mad. this episode, I was like, how is Xander going to react to this as a uh, fan a of Japanese culture Japanese. and who studied it extensively? Exactly. Uh, yes. What, what I can, what I read from this is that the, sure. the writer of the episode and the set designer also are fans of Japanese culture and they wanted to have oh. a, yeah, somebody was a, uh, was definitely studying karate is what they wrote. <laughs> How do you uh, balance- but they, oh, they decided to make up. It- <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I know. I know. It makes it more confusing, but they, and uh, they're in like Taekwondo or no, never mind. Anyway. Well, so they made a new, I think what they intentionally did was they sure. mixed a few different cultures in here because sure. they wanted to make up their own um sport discipline which is something onbo jitsu is that what it's called right so which is that darkness staff discipline is what (laughs) it translates almost directly to speaking of masculine (laughs) kind of 
kind of. Where's the line between being a fan of a culture and appropriation? Well, no, there is there is a line. Uh, It's, you know, taking a a culture's aspect and using it to profit in some way. In this sense, maybe even making a plot in a or a, a set design. And if they won some awards for that or got, you know, obviously people were paid for this. And I doubt that they may have consulted a Japanese person. Um, some of the things, like, the choices were very much, you know, there was the symbol for water and uh, the symbol for uh, sky and stuff like that that were just, like, scattered You mean in the, in the calligraphy that's around there? You mean in terms of, yeah, like, like on, it looked like nonsense base, to you? It was, it was nonsense. It, they were mixing alphabets and they were, it was not saying anything. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the weird thing is, is that, like, for instance, if you take the kanji for water, it might look cool, but it's also the Japanese word for Wednesday. So they have these characters on their chest and it looks like it's saying like Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> okay, Sky. so the fact that I got that tattooed, not appropriation oh. because I had to pay money? It's, I mean, cultural appreciation is is doing something that celebrates the culture. If you did your, your research, for instance, if I were to get a, a, a tattoo of Mizu, I have studied the language, this kanji is important to me for whatever reason, then that's appreciating something, I think. So don't get the one that means Water Wednesday. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, in this sense, it kind of looks ridiculous. But the biggest thing is the banner that's in, in the back uh, when they're in the sort of dojo. In the back corner there? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Be- because it, essentially, if you were to read it, it says, Yatsu Urasai. Like, it's essentially a, an informal you. So y'all are noisy <laughs> y'all are noisy yeah that's what i or put like in a, my an, dojo annoying y'all, are, y'all noisy. are noisy or annoying yeah who decide uh so uh rick sternbach who mm. was the production illustrator and designer he is white in case you didn't recognize the last name sternbach um okay. <laughs> uh he designed this and he along with um i know a guy named michael akuda actually also was a set designer um, okay. But I think he was Hawaiian. Um, sure. Oh no, birth, place of birth, Tokyo, Japan. Um, okay. Okay. He is. He also did scenic art, so I believe there was a Japanese uh, consultant on here, or at least okay. Uh, that was that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least. But what 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 gets mentioned here in Memory Alpha is that they um, made let's see incorporated numerous anime references into right. the Anbojitsu uh, mat and set pieces seen in this episode. So I think they might have been quotes from their anime, which might be. Y'all are noisy or whatever that is. That actually <laughs> okay, might be yeah. a direct quote from one of their That's favorite animes. Yeah. And I think they, they hit it in Japanese symbols, which are uh, g- characters, that, which yeah. most pe- Americans wouldn't recognize. I guess you could see it. There is a meme of like, like you're already dead. It's something that said... <laughs> As like a boss fight or something like that, uh, which so, which I th- get. Like if you if you speak or if you read or speak Japanese and you see this in the set, that looks insane. I get it. Yeah, yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. But also, the rest of it, like that, was just a weird thing. And I was like, oh, that actually says something. The rest of it is gibberish, and yeah. Well, the fighting is the sloppiest fighting you've ever seen. Yeah. Like if you're gonna be a blind fighter, half the time <laughs> they have their backs to each other and they aren't using sound to find each other. It looks like they're right. guessing half the time. Hold on, hold on. So they're giant Q-tips that they use to knock each other out of the circular ring have a motion sensor on the tip that flashes with the red light and mm-hmm. beeps. Every time that there is some sort of if if they're pointing the tip of their Q-tip at the opponent, 
I don't. Right. Is that oh, okay? So if you're po- oh, I didn't realize that. So if you point towards your opponent, it lights up. It, do you it even know how to jujitsu? Do you even know anbo jitsu? Anbo jitsu. Not bujitsu. What then? What good is um, a light? It doesn't matter. They can't see. It beeps. It, oh, it beeps so good. Or it beeps. Or it in their helmets that have no ear holes. Yeah. <laughs> also, Kyle's helmet was like slightly ajar for half the sh- the, uh-huh. the scene. It's bothering the hell out of me. You know, that's what people are there for last looks on set for. And <laughs> when they're not covering your back, what are you supposed to do? The resolution I actually kind of liked, which is that Riker found out that his dad was always cheating. Hold on. Oh. We're not done. Okay. Because they have spoken Japanese as well. Oh, yeah. That I just, oh, that's right. The, I just want to say that Kyle, he there is effort there, and I could actually understand what he was trying to say. Uh, Will does not get even close. I'm like, <laughs> he just kind of mumbles a bit, and I'm like, what was that? Really? It was supposed to be. What, they, what do they say? It's supposed to be yoroshiku onegaishimasu, like something that you say. Um, before the beginning of something like please do like do your best or like it's it's good to meet you type of thing like good to meet you here um and Kyle Riker says it in a way that's very kind of like samurai like old Japanese so maybe he's like imitating something that he's heard like the and then Will tries to do it but he's just like and it's like Whoa! <laughs> now, is it the pronunciation or the inflection or both that's the issue? All of I know it. inflection's a part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it, the, it, the just, pronunciation. I, just I couldn't understand the it. words he was trying to say. Yeah, because you really bring a growl to it, and I don't know if that's a stylistic choice or necessary within the language, because I know sometimes that is important. That would be like the, that older kabuki style Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that you might use in a martial art like sumo or jujitsu or whatever this is. <laughs> Whatever this is, that's the way to describe it. Yeah. Hey, Future Jake here. After we recorded this episode, I found the Memory Alpha entry for Anbo Jitsu, which includes more info on the anime references and Japanese characters used on the set design. If you want to check it out, there's a link to the article in the description of this episode. If you don't want to check it out, I completely understand. Okay, back to the show. So Riker finds out that his dad was cheating the whole time, which never really gets hinted at, which right. I was kind of expecting. Like, wh- what gave us evidence that this was going to come up? But it's still a pretty solid resolution because his dad was making a mistake in how he wanted his son to keep trying. He just forced him to fail, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, it's pretty cruel. Hey, there's um, no handbook to parenting, Captain Jake. Yeah, there is. <laughs> Not only is there no, like, yeah, computer entry for programming, as if there aren't, like, a thousand computer entries for how to be a better parent. Like, read what, what I assume is Spock, not Dr. Spock, because just Spock at this point. Sure. Um, but, like, Riker gives him an opportunity. He's like, you know, what have you always wanted to say? And Kyle says, I love you. That's mm. all you had to do for, like, 20 years, dude. What? Masculinity. I guess. I don't know. I also feel a little unsatisfied with that because that's like the most generic and easy thing to just get off and say, right? It's just like, okay, I love you. Oh, well, all right. I accept you now. Yeah, no, As that, opposed to like, that was my reaction. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. oh that's what you wanted? <laughs> was there, you could have got me a Hallmark card for all I care. Like, is there something he could have said that would be more satisfying of like, you were right or I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have yeah, left? Yeah, he or... would express regrets for how he, yeah, for the, the choices he made because I think he realizes that he should have left his son mm-hmm. or or not even had any relationship with him in 15 years he didn't have time to send a single subspace signal right but i think what that boils down to is that Riker now has that abandonment issue and the that abandonment comes from does this person love me 
they, obviously not. They left. So yeah, but with saying that you love, but saying he didn't reaffirm. He said mm-hmm. it. That's Show true. it right. That's true. Like okay, this person loves me. If you love someone, you will do things for them, such as uh, call. Right. Parent them past the age of thirteen. Okay, I gotta go call Let my mom. In. I'll be back. <laughs> I know we all have to call our mom now. I communicate with my mother through this podcast, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> Listeners, after this podcast, make sure you call uh, your family that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, Just, anything else? I think we've hit all the major points and even the minor points of this insane episode. Don't use the Hachidan Kiritsu. That's it. <laughs> and I must say, Arigato gozaimasu. Yeah, doitashimashite. Doitashimashite. Very good. Uh, sumimasen. Those are the three terms I know. Sumimasen. Excuse me. Yeah. That's what you say when you bump yeah, into you... people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Sumimasen. Sumimasen. Mm-hmm. Sumimasen. On. Okay. So together. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh. Uh. What would be? Better? Oh, they say mat mate or mata, which is like jane mata. So we could say that. So just mata or jane mm-hmm. mata. 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 Okay. Next time. Next time. Mata. Mata. <laughs>